Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Fight Village with me, your host, Sammy the Fight Chief Apple. Remember that you can follow us on Instagram under The Fight Village and on Facebook under the same name. Enjoy the show. My style is the best. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to the second installation of The Fight Village with me, your host, Sammy the Fight Chief Apple. Today we've got a very special guest, a really good friend of mine, Lawrence Brown. Lawrence, how you doing, man? Hey guys, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good, man. Thank you, thank you. So, for all the people in that who are tuning in, if you just let people know a bit about you, because you're the first fighter a professional fighter to come in and talk with us so like if you just let people know a bit about how you got into fighting and and kind of your story okay yeah definitely first of all like thanks for having me on as well i think like the, the podcast is a brilliant idea and stuff like the uh, community there's a lot of good conversations and contributions from everyone into mixed martial arts so yeah so first off thanks for having me on no problem and yeah cool so i'm a striking martial artist primarily so i've been doing martial arts now i think for about 21 22 years mm. so i started when i was young um in a style of karate which was very similar to like shotokan so okay. a lot of sort of strong powerful kicks and stuff and well-conditioned bodies all always coming forward sort of thing so I started that when I was very young and then I competed sort of at the London Heathrow Games it was back then for the um for our local boroughs and yeah since then um I think I caught the bug I mean the the, the whole everything around the competition the fear mm. the um, the training leading up to it the friends that you make and then even yeah even even though I didn't win the first year I got pretty I got beaten in the first round but then sure. coming back the next year to actually winning your first fight and progressing the sort of personal development around that sort of got me sort of addicted to, to martial arts sure. so yeah so I trained um, up until about the age of 11 in that style of karate and then uh, my karate teacher Steve Papadopoulos he passed away sadly um, and I was also I was going to secondary school so I generally have a lot of sort of changes around then sure. um, in the sports you do and where your attention is so I never really got into another club for a while until um, in my art class once we were all sort of like play fighting and stuff and then uh, my art teacher who was very, one of them sort of very cool chill teachers used to get involved and sort of like beat us up a little bit as well <laughs> and then I remember one day he was was doing it and I've sort of jumped off the off of one of the chairs and I've hit him in the chest with like a reverse spin kick and then he stopped and he and he said hold on a minute that's not something you like learn just from like watching it on TV and just doing yeah. it. I was like yeah I used to do karate but um, but my uh, teacher passed away so I've not really picked up anything since and yeah and he said all right bring your kit in next week and stuff and then so yes yeah, so I brought in my um my uniform and stuff that I used to wear and um yeah he started training me in my lunch break so that was oh, a nice. very sort of random um sort of uh, connection there but yeah and then I trained with him for a few years in my lunch breaks and Saturday mornings and stuff and I think that's where my passion and stuff for martial arts really come from and, and why oh. I've sort of stuck to it because I mean having that sort of personal one-to-one essentially with somebody who's into it for the art and the technical side of it yeah. working with you as opposed to just paying and going to a class and going through the motions all the time exactly. I sort of really got a, a thing for the technical side of the martial arts and the art and 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 how you sort of explain express yourself for it mm. so I think for about three years I was training sort of with him doing um, more of the sort of like points and contact karate um, and it was just the physical development side of it as opposed to like the real hardcore competition fighting so yes and then obviously from there um, there's only so far he could take me and also he was he's into art and music and stuff so he's into the technical side but mm. he encouraged me to find an actual club where I could actually take my martial arts training further so then I started looking around for something that really sort of attracted me which had the element of the technical side as well as the um, sort of physical combat side mm. and then I found a club called um, Nam Yang Pugilistic Association right. so that's a Kung Fu school established I think in 19... 19- 54 in Singapore oh, wow. so yes yeah, so they're stemming back a long way and and the heads of that school were like bouncers around the times of the wars um in the early um 20th century and stuff so right. they got tried and tested methods and they used a southern crane style kung fu mm. and also practiced chinese kickboxing and so chinese kickboxing is known as sanda or sanshao right. so you'll probably recognize fighters such as kung lee he's a sanda yeah. fighter yeah so that's that sort of style so i started learning that there as alongside the sort of um kung fu um shaolin kung fu and also the internal martial arts mm. and i'm still a member there i still visit my um the head teacher i use um in thailand at the moment Ian 
strong and nice. also he's a master in Singapore master Tan. so every now and then I always dabble back in a bit of Kung Fu and that's all of my roots so it's always good to go back and just remember sort of where you started and where you come from exactly yeah yeah so yeah and then um, yeah Chinese kickboxing or Sander is a it's a brilliant striking style I think um, it's if you if you see any clips online of it and uh, there are a few clips circulating it's a very dynamic style and you have throws and takedowns as well but there's no ground fighting so I think oh, okay. it could be a really big art but it just hasn't got the traction that other arts have or the same sort of um, promotion and stuff so there isn't as many opportunities in it at the moment sure, but that's sure. what I was sort of practicing from a young age and then yeah I won a couple of nationals um, at 15 and 16 years old mm. training in that and then that's where a few of my signature techniques come from so you'll see my question mark kick I've yeah. got a couple of knockouts using that and also my um, side what was called a side tip in Muay Thai so mm. my side kick the, the similar one to what you see Bruce Lee using in the films that side kick is a very common move used in a sand and Sanchal. Okay. So yes, that's where I spent most of my uh, mid-teens to late-teens training in that side of things. But then obviously where there wasn't as many opportunities, I think there's only two competitions a year in Sanda for well, national competitions. So I started training in, box- in boxing okay. and boxed um, at the uh, Rose Hill, um, ABC and Miguel's in Brixton. Mm. So yeah, and then I'm um, at university. Um, again, I did train a bit of Kung Fu, but mainly boxing around there. And I competed in the um, English um, championships too and lost to the actual middleweight champion. Is that was there my first actual loss at a high level mm. of competition fighting and boy did I learn some um, <laughs> some personal uh, growth and development <laughs> there taking a loss was hard and that was the first yeah. time I really yeah anything you're really passionate about and into then you're gonna really take that to heart and that was the first time I lost and I, and I remember after that I came back to training probably a week later on sure. and yeah and I didn't say much and even and then sparring I had leveled up my whole focus and everything I remember my coach saying to me yeah maybe you should lose more often because <laughs> you've come back like a man possessed and I remember I did learn big time from that so yeah because they always kind of say that don't they they say that you learn more from a loss than you do from a win very true you do you do Mm. because you really analyze and not only that you're looking internally as well at yourself and all of that sort of looking into sort of what happened in it how you feel about it and stuff and then that can give you motivation to go on and really give yourself to the to to whatever training you're going on to do so it's always good to take it and learn from it and stuff also to remember your patterns of thinking not to get into the negative patterns of thinking or think that you came up short or or you or you don't have what it takes to win because that is sort of that will reflect in your training and how you go on fighting Mm. so it's good to always keep the positive side of the um mental patterns of thinking and, and and learning from that so yeah so then um, yeah obviously i've spent and ev- ever since then i'm i've been doing a lot of boxing i still do boxing training now um i mm. train a few fighters as well some people doing white collar and i train sort of um boxing keep my hands sharp as well so a lot of the fights you'll see i normally dominating with the hands because a lot of yeah. boxers haven't got the same experience in boxing as me so that's one thing i'm always going to be keeping sharp sure. and training them so yes yeah, so i went on um to um I spent, after boxing, I came back um, from university and then got into work. So I wasn't training and competing, so to speak. Mm. Um, my career was going well, so um, I was training here and there, obviously keeping fit. I'm still learning the martial arts training in the Kung Fu and stuff, but not actually in any um, competition fighting. But then, sort of, I think over a few years, I really missed it. And I thought, yeah, I need to get back into it and, and get back out there and fighting and stuff. So I had a few sort of like white collar and unlicensed boxing bouts, but again, mm. no real direction in those. And then also started learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Nice. So I spent about three years learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I loved it. I mean, the first time I've, I was always, I've always been in good shape. The first time I actually went to a BJJ club and we did a bit of rolling and I was absolutely blowing in less than a minute. And I thought, I'm a fit person. Like, what is yeah. this about? <laughs> and it, that just showed me how different the arts can be. It's like yeah. the whole movements and stuff, the way you use your body. And also I think it's your mind. I think your mind's definitely linked to sort of your fitness levels and I mean if you're relaxed and you know what you're doing and how to use your body you, you won't tire half as quickly but mm. as soon as you're put in a situation or a place where it's alien or you don't feel in 100% control it's almost like your body uses a lot of energy just to try and assess or over assess what's going on everywhere and overcompensate for that so yes yeah, so that, that was a lot of learning that came from um, learning um, BJJ which obviously you use in, in other places as well but yeah that was brilliant a brilliant experience and I will be going back to BJJ I think in a few years as well to, to pick up on that nice man but yeah and then um, yeah so then obviously K1 and boxing being my um, and kickboxing and Muay Thai being uh, my sort of where I targeting my um, energies and stuff after I started um, K1 training yeah. and um, and getting back into Sander so I had a Sander fight um, I fought in the national championships back in I think 2015 mm-hmm. and um, yeah that was my 
first sort of um, amateur um, national competition after many years out of K1 and, and kickboxing and stuff. And I won my fight in four seconds. So you'll probably see, you might see a clip of that being I circulated. Think that's the first, the first thing I ever saw of you. Yeah. Like okay. That, <laughs> oh, that yeah, man. That four second just straight yeah. knock head kick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it. I remember I was training because I remember the teeth. I was using that a lot, working the sort of straight kick and then the roundhouse. I've always had a very quick and well, um, sort of, and an accurate, um, roundhouse. So I thought, how could I set that up so that it's going to land in clean? And I think I caught him with the, um, cause I could tell straight away as soon as the, 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 the um, referee said go, he's just stepped forward like he wanted to come in and throw a lot of hands and really get close. And also mm. with Sandup, you've got the takedowns and throws as well. And I thought, sure. is a, anybody that's shorter than me, they're going to be better at getting down and getting in for those throws. So I was prepared right. and ready. As soon as they're going to come in, you're going to get hit with a straight kick or a jab or something. And he came straight into it and I caught him clean on the chest with that um, yeah. front kick. And then I've seen the hands drop. So I've taken a slight step to the, to my right. And that's mm. sort of thrown him off a little bit and he's had to sort of like try to adjust his body. And whilst he's yeah. doing that, the roundhouse just came in and caught him right on the sweet spot, just that like across the jaw. And yeah, that was it. Four seconds and then the fight was over. <laughs> yeah, because you know the person who took the video? Yep. They were saying, he said he was going to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yep. is that something you just noticed beforehand before yeah. the competition? Yeah. Yeah, as I was saying, with any martial art or training, I'm probably over analytical on on how things work and the technical side of things Mm -hmm. and yeah that's something i've been doing a lot and i'd seen how it worked inspiring with different people and i literally i think it was a week before and it was my younger brother matthew and i was telling him because he's probably my he's my biggest fan and i'll see him speak to him after his training session he's seen all of my progress and all the moves i like and everything he's he's cornering me in my muay thai fights as well so you'll see him in some of the photos and i told him that this is working for me at the moment a lot inspiring i'm i'm really feeling it like the roundhouse is coming around and i'm I'm catching people a lot with it and the teep as well i'm feeling that's my strongest point and i said that i think is going to be what i'm going to win this with even if it happens later on it's going to happen later on but that's that is where my heart is or something just felt right about that then and literally mm-hmm. as he said go the guy is coming perfect and he's very square on so i hit him clean with the straight kick and then a step slightly to the to the right just as he's getting his bearings back and then caught him with the roundhouse perfectly and he also after i've hit him as he's going down i'm going to throw the right hand which luckily <laughs> misses <laughs> yeah to really finish the job <laughs> sure yeah, good stuff man but yeah so that was that was a, a, a massive sort of boom to um come back into into the um uh, the combat and competition fighting side of things and then i think after that i probably rushed a little bit into sort of like the pro level of sander um and then i had a loss in the october of that year mm. but um yeah like i said again any loss that i experience is i'm coming back like a man possessed and since yeah. that loss in october i haven't lost a stand-up um kickboxing sander or k1 on muay thai fight so yeah so that has definitely got helped me keep my focus and driven me with my training and stuff. And that was 2015. So, mm. so yeah, coming up to three years since then. And yeah, so like I said, Sander, there's not a big community um, in the UK. In China, there's a lot of Sander. And you'll see a lot of fights, Sander versus Muay Thai. But okay. um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's not big enough here. So that's why I moved across to K1 and Muay Thai, which is where I'm thinking Muay Thai is definitely going to where you're going to see me in the near future. Because you've done some events for the Grand Prix, haven't you? That's right. Yeah. So I fought on the Muay Thai Grand Prix, which was in partnership with um, Lion Fight. And Lion Fight yeah. is a very big sort of Muay Thai promotion out in the US at the moment. So last year they have um, what's called the Road to Muay Thai Grand Prix. And that's mm. where any up and coming fighters can come and you win. It's like the eliminators for Muay Thai Grand Prix. Right. And if you get a win on there, then you can go on to fight on the Muay Thai Grand Prix. And for me, Muay Thai Grand Prix is probably, it's the, it is the biggest uh, Muay Thai show um, in Europe. You obviously get mm. your Yokao show when they come over occasionally and do stuff. They're just a big global name in Muay Thai. But otherwise, Muay Thai Grand Prix is, is huge. And I mean, you've, you've got world champions and big fighters. I mean, the whole um, partnership with Lion Fight just shows how, how big it is um, yeah. and, 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 and known around the world. So yes, I was very privileged to, to fight on that. And my head coach, Philip Chu, sort of is, is, the, is the guy behind Muay Thai Grand Prix. And yeah, since right. I, when I first went to train with him, I was training sort of K1 and with Nam Yang and I was traveling out to double K and stuff, which was difficult for me to get into training and stuff. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so then I remember I went to watch the uh, Muay Thai Grand Prix about two years ago and I saw the Muay Thai style of fighting and I saw Team True Fighters fight and I just thought, Jesus, that's exactly how I want to fight. That is their yeah. whole composure, the, um, the strategy behind it and the thinking behind their fights. So they would use techniques that would sort of like void 
a, a, a strength of another fighter. So if you're fighting, say, mm. like a Sapo with a, with a good rear hand or something, then they will throw in a lot of like the, the sort of right kick to, to stop them wanting to throw that right hand and stuff sure. like that. And then working in the clinch with the knees. And, and yeah, it, it was just, they were just amazing. Like I thought every one of their fighters really kept their heads about them, no matter how aggressive the fighter was in, that was in front of them. They had a good like plan and strategy and used technique to win. And then luckily I went, I went, looked up where they trained and stuff. And it was literally down the road from where my offices were. So I went up to meet Phil and said, yeah, I want to train with you. I'm training K1 at the moment, but I want to fight Muay Thai. And he said, yeah, he told me the time to come, come to training. And yeah, the rest is history. So now I'm actually um, teaching Muay Thai with them as well as training. That's really cool, man. Because I mean, it's great that you speak about the calmness and kind of like the analytical nature that they have in ring because I think that you can really see that in some of your fights as well I was looking up your one of your fights against like this guy called Lucas Duda oh yes yeah and like just your your composure in there it's like I don't know like you're walking on the beach or something like yeah. that you know? you're just very calm and you know exactly what you're doing I've noticed that you you're really good at trapping guys in the corner turn up the pressure just a little bit if they get out then it's back to like stalking them and seeing if you can trap them in, in the corner again exactly yeah for me that's that's the martial artist side of it I mean you could learn, learn to be sort of like a, an aggressive fighter you could learn to throw a good punch and a kick and get a good level of fitness and just come out and just do that for three three minutes for however many rounds and stuff but for me i like the whole martial arts side of it and mm. the whole for me being in a fight situation it's sort of you're looking to try and find that sort of like comfort in in a, in a place of, of conflict so like when you're actually in the mm. fight you can actually calm your nerves and feel what's actually going on keep composed control over your emotions and stuff for me that is the great even if you lose if you manage to do that keep composed and have control of your feelings and your emotions and your body then that is that is the biggest victory for me i mean that that's probably stemming from studying martial arts from a long long uh, from the beginning of, of my training and stuff but that's mm -hmm. the kind of thing that i want to pursue in my fights and also with my training as well you don't have to uh, um to be fighting to sort of achieve those sort of levels of things no i was just gonna say i think just in general society could do with a bit more of that that calm and being being exactly. present in 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 the process of anarchy yeah yeah that's it and i mean in, in the midst of like conflict and stuff if you can be calm and use your brain and be make good decisions and decide that those are skills that you're going to use and are going to have a massive impact on your life and people's lives around you and stuff so for me that is the most important part and then yes yeah, so that's what, what i'm trying to do try and achieve that level where amidst the, the the fight and the conflict i can still be lawrence from the core and the soul and express who i am through my moves and how i'm moving the fight so i, I even look back at my really old fights and there's a um, there's a saying in um old um the well the samurais used to say and in kung fu as well is there's say a fighter um, your chi is scattered when you first start so you will notice that in the earlier stages of, of of amateur fighting fighters are very erratic their moves are very sort of wild and 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 and, and their movements are very wild and they're knackered within no time mm -hmm. but you watch a pro and they're very slick they can see what they're doing their um their, their their moves are more composed and more controlled so that side of thing that is what they mean when they say settling your chi and you're and being composed as a fighter and obviously that comes through rounds of sparring and and the more experience that you have through um through fighting and stuff but yeah that's that's where my key focus is and also just to look composed when you come out there so also I, I don't try to take much damage as well in my fights as well mm. and I think if you're going out there while looking to to to, to take a dig to give a dig you're going to be taking a lot of damage and, and that could shorten your career and stuff so yes yeah, so that's another thing about my style as well I try not to get it too messy I like it to look good <laughs> Mighty Mouse has spoken about that as well yep. kind of like you know he's not here to get punched in the face yep. he's here to, to you know to win fights so exactly I, t I totally get that yeah. so um, it's been all the rage in the MMA community about weight cutting you oh, know, yes. we're seeing more and more conversations about weight cutting now I've always leaned to the idea that fighters should fight closer to their weight group very similar to what they walk around in do you agree with that or do you kind of agree with the kind of older mentality of being big for your division um, for me it depends on the individual and the fight that you've got and your life style sort of around it so you've got some people who everything that they do is around their their fighting and their career for fighting and mm. and they can cut the weight i know fighters that cut 12 to 15 kilos for fights and mm. it doesn't affect them mentally they can do it it's fine um they're fighting some of them are into their 30s and stuff and still handling it it's not putting too much stress on them outside of that but for me if 
the weight cut is really taking its toll on you and the people around you, then you need to consider, is this something that you can maintain and sustain and, and, and do as a part of your life? Because I know even some boxers and stuff, some of the weight cuts that they go through, that they don't even perform at their best when they're fighting. So for me, you need to reassess. You probably need to be fighting more at your weight. And then like the other fighters that can do those massive weight cuts and it doesn't impact them um, as much. But yeah, most of the fighters that I speak to as well um, from boxing and uh, K1 and Muay Thai, the heavy weight cuts does take its toll. There's no way that you're ever going to be able to cut that sort of weight, especially not being at your natural weight and be, and have the maximum benefits from it. So it will take its toll. You just got to make sure you get that balance that you can be at your best and enough to be safe firstly in the fight and then um, also be able to win. So yeah, I wouldn't say I'm anti the weight cut because I mean, if you walk around at 80 kilos, you can get down to 72 or 70 kilos for a fight, then you're going to be first of all tall. And then also at a pro level, you have weigh-ins the day before. So you could cut mm. maybe even two, three, some people four or five kilos like a day before, which they're losing in water. And then you have your weigh-in and then you replace all that water. You're going into the ring sometimes six, seven kilos heavier than the actual weigh-in or the, the actual weight limit. So you're going to have the advantage yeah. there as well. So for me, it is more that you can do it safely and not impact yourself outside of the ring as well as in the fight. But um, yeah, it is. I think it's definitely by an individual case. Like I said, some people, they can do it. It doesn't affect their life outside the ring and it's not really impacting their health. But there are other fighters that you can see they haven't got the same energy. They haven't got the same sharpness in the ring. They need to consider definitely fighting closer to their weight like myself. Mm. So I'm, I'm walking around. I don't think I've ever weighed more than 82 kilos in my life. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I've, I fought at 78, um, 77 and now generally 75 kilos. And when I used to box, 75 kilos was my um, weight limit. But then back then I was a bit lighter as well. So I, sure. I rarely cut more than four or five kilos for my fights and I find that's the sort of best way for me as well my last fight when I fought in um, November on Lion Fight I made weight I think about four weeks before the fight so I was eating as much as I could just to keep weight because no. I was training basically every day some days twice a day and mm. if you're going to be training that much you're going to be cutting weight so I was making sure I was getting the calories in to keep the weight on which is the perfect sort of um, position I think for most fighters that you want to be and also you want to be careful that when you get to the weigh-in you're not too far under the weight because if you are and your opponent's just about on the limit coming three or four kilos heavier you're not going to be able to put on that kind of weight so they're going to have the advantage there so it is it is yeah. definitely getting that sort of balance and also um, with the, the technical side of the weight cut as well is the hydration and stuff so after you've done the cutting of the actual weight and the fat as much as you can a lot of people deplete their bodies of water but it's not just water that's gone it's all of the electrolytes and like your sodium mm. and potassium and stuff and magnesium those are the things that make your body work make your mind sort of work as well and and, and twig and twig when it needs to if you're depleting your body of those it can only take on so much of it from the food and drink that you're having in, the, in that 24 hours to you actually or maybe more to your fight sure. so being able to get those back into you so you have your sharpness and, and your mind's there and and you kind of get your best that's another really important part of that as well so for me yeah it's more can you get the balance right that you can do a safe cut and be at your best and doesn't impact the rest of your life that's the most important thing about it yeah I, I, I would agree I mean I saw that I saw an interview with Ben Askren and he was talking about the way that one do their weight cuts and they do it a little bit differently so you get tested three times yeah. before fighting yeah. um, as opposed to like once do you think that's like a better way or do you prefer the way that the UFC do it where they say come in in the morning we'll do your weigh in and then um, you know you can get back yeah. to kind of hydrating yourself I think yeah I think it is in two senses is for one is they can keep a track to see is the fighter actually going to make weight and then because mm -hmm. you have to stay tight with shots and stuff when people are missing weight and that's so unprofessional I think it's, yeah. it doesn't only look bad on the fighter but could you imagine like even like with the Yo Romero sort of thing and not making weight for me that's mm -hmm. not just an impact on, on the fighter sort of brand and name but it's the association I mean you've got fighters that need to be fighting at certain weights and some fighters are turning up on the day and they're, and, they're, and they're how much over and stuff or having to go and run and lose weight and cut weight it just looks like how organised is this or how much do you know yeah. about your fighters and stuff so for me I think that is definitely a good thing and it promotes that sort of ethic around sort of not just radically doing it and putting them extreme measures on your body it is more of a sort of like sustained ongoing sort of thing and, and, and knowing that you are going to have them them chest it, it keeps it more professional for me, it is a good thing. I know other people disagree because they want to do those sort of last minute cuts and stuff like that. Sure. But for me, I think it is a, it's, it's definitely a good thing. 
Yeah, me too. Okay, and speaking of one, I know that <laughs> we talked about this a little yeah. bit beforehand. Um, they are launching like a kickboxing league. Oh, yes. That um, is so- yeah, very exciting. I mean, I've been a big fan of one championships for a while. And okay. I've always, well, I do plan um, to go back into sort of the mixed martial arts side of things. I wanna, I'll want to. i be pursuing Muay Thai for the next few years. Um, and as far as I can take that, but I do want to get back and, and dabble into MMA before I, I end my competition fighting career. So sure. when I heard this, this was amazing. Because I've, I've, looking at one championships, I feel like, their competition has more defined lines between the styles of different martial arts and embraces those different styles and showcases mm. the styles against each other. I feel the UFC has has done a brilliant job in the beginning stages of that and, and that definitely helps like the BJJ and the jiu-jitsu and the grappling. I mean, some of the, the wins and the victories that in the early UFC is that the grappling has got over sort of very um, dominant strikers and, and more stronger fighters. I think it really proved how, how powerful an art it is. And I think that mm. it, the one championships is really doing that now. Some of the fights that you see where you've got someone who's a clear striker a much stronger striker using that against say like a Muay Thai fighter and then it is literally who has honed in on their skill and their background skill the most and can execute yeah. it the best in a pressurized environment I mean yeah that that, that for me is, is excellent in, in, in the one championships and I actually trained at the Evolve gym whilst I was working in Singapore about three years ago I think it was nice. and yeah and I think yeah for me just the professionalism behind it and I mean all of the trainers there are like world champions and stuff it's, it's just a, it's, for me it's a great feel they're very professional I love the, the, the whole promotion behind it so the kickboxing side of thing I think this is going to be a massive breath of fresh air for the kickboxing um, community and the kickboxing world and I think it's going to really propel sort of the kickboxing um, market and promotion the mainstream side to what it was before when we had like K1 and K1 Max so I think back in like the uh, 20s in the 20s and, and the and the 90s K1 was huge it was much bigger than, than it is now so oh, I think yeah. yeah there's definitely a potential for, for that to uh, to come back and also there's a lot of brilliant stand-up striking fighters who are sort of like um, decentralized in different um, associations and divisions mm. now you've got one championship coming in and it's, it's the most I think it's the, it's, it's the most watched um, MMA promotion at the moment so then for them to bring out a K1 and striking side of things that is going to be a, a lot of people are going to have their eyes on, on, on belts and titles there so it's going to bring together a lot of the best talent which is again going to help sort of promote the striking side and striking martial arts I remember uh, as soon as we heard it as when I went to the gym a number of the sort of talented fighters out of my gym just said yeah have you heard it was like yeah we've heard and everyone was training that <laughs> bit hard and they were like yeah we want one of them belts <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice, and I mean, nice. some of the names that they've got coming in to, to fight on on the shows, and I know that some of the other talented fighters that I know from the UK have got their eyes on it. So I think they've got um, mm. the Lion Fighting Champion Joe Natua is, is actually fighting Giorgio, and Joe Natua is a huge name in the US, um, and mm. he's going to be uh, he's fighting Giorgio in the um, on the first one. That's going to be a brilliant fight, and um, yeah, and I mean it, from from you've got like the biggest stars from Lion Fight already um, heading over there and stuff. It's it's, it's going to be huge. It's going to be really big for kickboxing and Muay Thai. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they're calling it a kickboxing league, but they are keeping it open for anybody who's got like a standing yeah, stand up. striking yeah. kind of yeah Definitely. so like they're talking about wushu guys yep. and kung fu guys you know that's been one of my criticisms about like the ufc and i assume it's mostly because of the threat of takedowns but you've you've not seen anybody with like a kung fu background you, you um, say that do you know um the the actual kung fu and um, sanders are saying like kung lee that style mm. is not as widely known and there isn't as many gyms and stuff but sure. that that style of the martial arts it is transferable and the and the and the uh, sander and um also um michael venom page his background is mm. his style is purely kung fu so he's oh, a yeah he's a kung fu fighter so it's for me it's just an application so it's how you apply mm. those styles so some people might think of like win chan and it's a very sort of close range there and there isn't the takedowns and the throws and the grappling but um, there's Chi Sao which is a style of sort of grappling and joint locks and joint manipulation and a lot of those are used in jiu-jitsu um, or stand-up sort of mm. grappling and stuff so it is, it is there are the styles out there but obviously just not as, as well known and it's how they are applied yeah. so you see like um, with uh, Michael Venom Page he's sort of more winding and, and sort of looping and he uses natural the body's natural leverage and stuff to draw on his power and his range of movement but yeah. that all stems from his, um, his his kung fu background. So that's where sort of um, if, I reckon kung fu could make an impact in there, especially the Sander fighters as well, Sander and San, and mm. Sancho. So it'll be exciting to definitely exciting to get them in there. Obviously, you've got. 
there's a huge community in, in Muay Thai and you've always got the overlap from your K1 kickboxing and Muay Thai. I mean, even on K1, a lot of the big names that you find in there have come from Muay Thai backgrounds. Jojo, even who's fighting on the first one, he's, he's a Muay Thai fighter and you've seen he's got the draw yeah. against Borko as well. Brilliant technician. Mm. And yeah, and I think the, the, te- the technicians are going to come up from the Muay Thai side and really make it enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I wanted to talk to you about um, Glory as well. Yeah. How familiar are you? Because Glory, I'm not really familiar with. Like, it's something that I've kind of heard on the outskirts, yeah. but like, it's not something that I've paid much attention to. And obviously, um, as a result of this process and trying to become uh, more knowledgeable in co- combat sports in general, yeah. um, that will be an organization that I do look to to kind yeah. of like broaden my, my knowledge on it. How much, how much do you know about it? Or? So for me, Glory is, is definitely the biggest kickboxing promotion sort of today out there. And mm. I feel it sort of come about, um, you had K1 and K1 Max back like in the nineties and stuff. They were huge and that's where a lot of the fighters were. But Glory now is the, is the number one and Glory is sort of more around the K1, um, striking, um, art. And you get fighters and I think the promotion has been done brilliantly. Obviously the money behind it is well. And the building of fighters and the whole international coverage of it has made it sort mm. of um, what it is. It's, it's still relatively young. I don't. Think, I think it's like um, from around like 2012 or maybe just before around then. So yeah, yeah, towards the end of like when K1 sort of lost a lot of its sort of um, fire and, and recognition everywhere. But um, yeah, it is like the home of a lot of fighters are aiming to get to um, glory because it's like the biggest international stage, biggest paychecks, mm. obviously, and stuff. The biggest fighters. It's, it's, it's like that place place to go. So um, so yes. Yeah, so Glory is that sort of place. It's, it's the kickboxing sort of mm. mecca at the moment, and and all the top, yeah. even Muay Thai fighters, um, Borko and everyone sort of um, ventured over to, to Glory because it's that number one for stand up striking at the moment. Mm. And yeah, so um, and, and Badia who's um, fighting and he's been in there from from a long time. He, he fought on K one as well, but um, yeah, and yeah. I mean you've got names like that in in Glory. That's where the draw is going to come from. But I mean, absolutely devastating striking fighters like that that are come come forward. Um, knockout artists and, and fight with bad intentions in the stand up they're, they're, yeah. they're gonna really draw the crowds and, and get the people going so yeah so he's um he's fighting on Glory 51 that's right yeah it's actually a rematch yeah it? that's right the first one I think it was was it disqualification I think or was a foul it yeah, was yeah right. yeah disqualification yeah. so the, the, the two of them are notorious for their, their bad boys as, as bad as they come like mm. both from from Holland and yeah. yeah and I think of North African descent like Egypt and I'm not, I can't remember where Bede is from but yeah they're known I mean I think they've both been arrested on certain things and, and, and stuff like that so they're known bad boys and, they, and they're particularly good at sort of bad mouthing um, opponents and stuff I remember Bede I was never really a, a big fan because I'm not really into all of that whole sort of misconduct around fights and he's even been disqualified I think um, or hasn't had a fight from his misconduct outside of the so I'm never really into that. So yeah. I've never really been a big fan of his, but then I can't take away from him what he's done and the type of fighter he is. He's, he's a brilliant come in, knock out or get knocked out kind of fighter. And I think that's that's brilliant for striking and stuff. So I can't take that away from him. But your conduct outside of the ring and stuff needs to be at a certain level, especially as a pro and at the yeah. highest level. And I think the two of them have a, have a reputation for that. So that's why this one's sort of marketing and selling as that sort of bad boy against bad boy. And I think the fight is going to be that as well. The two of them are going to come in and be throwing like power shots with bad intentions so this is it's definitely going to be a brilliant brilliant fight yeah because their first fight was kind of like that yeah. wasn't it there was lo- a lot of like power yeah. shots and a lot of like kicks and and that thrown with like ill intentions yeah that's right and I mean but there is uh, his, his power his punching is absolutely devastating I mean I remember one fight I think I saw with um, Alistair Overy and the, oh, mm. the way some of those punches were connected and then he's coming in to finish him <laughs> with the kick it was just oh, yeah he's he's coming in to, to really do damage and I mean even at the press conference and I was having a it was very short it was like yeah I'm coming in to knock him out so yeah Mm. this is is going to be good do you think though that sometimes you know how a person like Badir comes into like a a combat sport but seems to just be like a a violent person by design do you think that that sometimes that mean streak helps fighters in fights or do you think that it's something that can be cultivated without all of the kind of aggressive backstory or that propensity towards violence yeah you're right it it can help but it can also be to your detriment so again it's like all of the martial arts and stuff is how you use it so one thing you can't do is you can't pretend to be someone you're not so if you're not an aggressive 
aggressive badass trying to act like that mm. trying to fight like that is going to work against you like you're, you're not going to perform sure. like that for me fighting is who can get in there and knows themselves the most and can express themselves in that way the best in the fight so if you're more of a passive laid back cool kind of guy very sort of thoughtful mm. and mindful you're going to train you need to be fighting more mindfully you need to work techniques you need to work out what your opponent's doing keep very cool understand what he's doing and, and use your strategy so like Georgia he's a very he's a fighter like that. they call him the doctor I mean he's, he's, oh, he, nice. he will he will <laughs> analyze you and see what you're doing so the Muay Thai is probably going to be your style in the first round you're going to be doing small sort of like just a one or two low leg kicks very few hit combos and stuff just to see how your opponent reacts and then you're going to break them down that way mm. K1 now I think it does favor sort of more aggressive fighters because you get sort of scored for coming forward throwing big combinations you might only have like mm. three or four combinations in your arsenal but if you're pulling them off and coming forward and really breaking down your opponent then they're going to be scoring and doing well so for me yeah. it's understanding who you are as a person and then using that to to your best um, in, 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 in the actual ring so yeah so it, it does help to an extent but I think when you get to the higher levels the aggression is, is, is it gets cancelled out I mean the fighters get better they um, know themselves more it's uh, yeah, it, it, yeah it doesn't really help in that sense but then if you've really got it down and you can use that to intimidate and you use that in your fighting style and it's well cultivated but yeah it's, it's gonna work obviously it's gonna work but um, it can only take it you can only take it so far it's um, at that pro mm. level it's understanding yourself being the best fighter that you can be an aggressive that can be beaten and by someone that keeps their head on them and then that's just, that's how it is at the pro level yeah I mean speaking of that just reminds me of like someone like Mike Perry yes yeah 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 so like yeah so Mike Perry's exactly. got this kind of aura about him where he just wants to get in there and yep. fight and have a know? terror and we've seen that we've seen that yeah exactly and we've seen that from fighters before where it's just I just want to come in and swing yep. Rampage was like yep. that for a while you know he used to complain having to fight wrestlers because yep. he just wanted to stand and yep. bang and do you think someone like Mike Perry has the because I the thing is I I, I like his intensity yeah. and I think he's very very marketable yep. but it's kind of like we've seen all that we can possibly see from him right now because when I look at strikers the main question when they come into the UFC is can they contend with grapplers? Yep. Whereas like Mike Perry's coming as this like one punch finisher, but he's having a lot of his problems are from other strikers, which is quite interesting. Yep. So do you think like it's just a case of him going somewhere and training with someone like Six Gun Gibson or, you know, Henry Hooft and and polishing it and making sure that he understands that it's not just always a terror or do you think that this is basically the extent of his powers and we should just throw him in there for fun Definitely. Fight? I think that is down to the individual and anybody has the capability to turn around what they're doing and their trajectory in anything so that same aggression that same passion that is an attack in it with now if he's to put that into shaping and designing how he's going to fight and, and taking it into his fights then yeah then I think he's got all the propensity to change and adapt and become a better fighter um, obviously you've got mm. the business and the marketing side of it once you've created that persona so knowing that character it's going to be harder for you to, to slip out of that kind of headspace and being that person so you might need to take a little while mm. away from that whilst you are reprogramming and redesigning which you can do if, if your motivation and mm. your heart's in it so it would be a case of almost like recreating a new person like a new fight and then coming in and fighting with that but I mean anybody that does have it in them to compete and get in there at that level and show the heart like I think his last fight was pretty brutal as well I mean anybody yeah. anyone that has the heart to do that I mean imagine them putting that same heart and determination into trying to learn a new skill or trying to change the way they fight and then bringing that to the table it's, it's doable yeah. it's 100% doable but again it's being smart about it he needs to work out where his biggest flaws are and where he might be overcompensating mm. on, on, on the side of like the aggression and, and, and being a bit wild and a bit loose and then how can you tighten mm. up there and then adapt and change and use other skills because at the, at the pro level that's what it's about I mean yeah you, yeah. you need to be smart about and because and, you almost reach the limit or the pinnacle of certain skill levels and it's about sort of chiseling away and refining certain parts so that's that's where the skill level and especially the longevity in your career comes from I mean and you do all fighters need to change in a way for all of their fights especially at that level because mm. even in my last fight the coach said to me he's 
like we've watched all of your fights and we thought we had we had you we thought we knew you did my last two fights yeah. they both said that and then I've just thought yeah I know and I talked to my coach Philip Chu about that stuff as well and, and, and what you should be doing how you should be developing and stuff and as a pro fighter then you've got the most intelligent and knowledgeable people in combat conditioning you and training you how to fight they're going to be watching your previous fights and picking up on all of your weaknesses and your flaws you need to be working on them you need to be bettering them and developing yeah. them if you're not doing that then you're not going to last long at all so for me yeah he's, that, he's got it I mean all it, all you need to do is have that determination and that heart to want to achieve and want to do it then you've got to put that into your training and be smart about it then you can compete at that highest level if you're disheartened or yeah. you're almost ignorant or arrogant to realise in those areas or weaknesses or them other flaws where you need to develop then you're not going to last long and that's where your career is going to be shortened and you're going to be suffering and losses and, and you're not going to grow and prosper with the sport so yeah because that, that what you're saying kind of reminds me of like when George St. Pierre got stopped by Matt yep. Serra and so he was saying that he realised his mind wasn't as strong as he thought mm-hmm. it was so he spent a lot of time sitting with a psychiatrist yep. and he's really a, a big advocate of people who feel like they might suffer from that yep. kind of thing making the adjustments and going in there and, and changing yeah, for it me up. he's one of the smartest mixed martial artists and fighters there are out there he's mm. very mindful and he's mindful even you could tell in the interview questions he really absorbs and takes yeah. in what's being said and then he even isn't in his responses and stuff it's like on a deeper level or on, of an understanding of what is being asked and the whole situation around that question so yeah for me he's, what, he's the, yeah. probably the most one of the most mindful fighters that has been at that level which is yeah he's a brilliant advocate for mixed martial arts yeah I feel like that as well because and I think a lot of it can be tied down to his his origins in karate and the mindfulness that he approaches because you come across as that kind of person as well where everything is very yeah. mindful not just how how you fight but also how you analyze yourself yeah. and how you use your competition as a place of analysis exactly, yeah. where am i yeah where am i really and what kind of problems am I capable of solving through my expression? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that is the more, that is definitely more associated with the traditional side of the martial arts. And I mean, jiu-jitsu is a, is a prime example of that. You learn about yourself every time you roll. <laughs> every time you roll, you learn about yourself. Mm. I mean, yeah, that is more associated with the traditional arts. Um, not so much with the more sort of newer arts like you know, kickboxing and boxing. There is definitely that same mm. sort of um, personal development and growth in it, and, and you can. But mm. there, there isn't the same sort of framework for you to easily recognize and know and 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 and, and develop through that so i think yeah coming sure. from the traditional arts you do definitely have that more mindful way of, of doing things um if you're sort of straight into an mma gym where you're sort of working across all the different arts and, and and those arts have been refined to take the best of each one i don't think you're diving deep enough into an art to understand it and to really express yourself through that individual art you're just taking mm. sort of smaller parts of that but um yeah i mean it, it, it's out there and i mean people if they're smart enough they know okay I need to go and work on these areas I need to really submerge myself in something that can do some deeper learning There's, it's, it's out there for you to do it I mean it's, it's down to the individuals to realise and, and then go and, and take control and charge of that area of development yeah man definitely just quickly did you say that you've been to yes, Thailand yes I was in because yeah. there's a question that I wanted to ask you so a lot of people who really want to kind of hone their skills in Thai boxing and Muay Thai they make this almost pilgrimage to go over and um, learn Muay yeah. Thai in Thailand how how different is what you learn in Thailand different from how it's maybe taught in the West is there much difference or is it just like things like climate being different uh, new experience uh, it's both I mean mm. that uh, Muay Thai is a culture is embedded within the, the sort of um, Thai community and their culture and their way of being and their life so the feel that you have when you're training somebody teaching you there this is their whole essence and what they're about I mean it's just there's, there's brilliant instructors, very technical, very precise, knowledgeable instructors here who are brilliant. But then when you go somewhere and for somebody that is their way of life, they've lived, breathed, mm. and 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 that has been them since they were young. Then it's a it's a different type of tuition. I mean. It's, it'd be small things that they're getting you to do that you don't realise where it's showing you sort mm. of certain kinds of development or it might be developing different parts of your bodies in, in a way that you right. didn't and I mean also another thing over there is the time that they take out to train as well so here I think a lot of fighters have day jobs and their life's a lot more different a lot more fast paced we've got a lot more things going on out 
of there, you might yeah. train multiple times a day and you have a focus on a smaller uh, area at those different times and you're doing that consistently over right. time until you're just naturally doing it. And I mean, when I, when I went out there, the training was because it was only just for training. I have never trained that much in my life. So the first three days, it was like three times a day training. You're up at 5.30, you're off running at like six o'clock in the morning for a good run and you come back and you might do a little bit of technical training and stuff. And then you'll have tea at like 8.30 and then breakfast at nine. That's your mm. first session done. You've already done how many hours? So you have a break and then at 11 o'clock yeah. you start training again. And then um, you'll train probably till about two and you'll have a break and then train again in the evening, generally around um, four or five o'clock until sort of six, seven. And then right. that's it. After the first three days, I was, my body was exhausted. And oh yeah, man, I, I remember by the Wednesday, I was thinking like, am I going to be able to cope? I, you know, I was thinking, am I going to get sick? Like I can't do my techniques mm. probably. And but then that is a whole mental development as well and that teaches you to yeah. use the time that you have in between then to really relax and, and, and know your body and know how you need to recover so you can get back into it throw yourself back into it and then also training under that sort of mental exhaustion as well as physical exhaustion that's a different side of, of growth as well so for me yeah going out there get out there I mean if you can go to one of the gyms as well where you've got people from all over the world coming and training. There's that's a absolutely that's a pool of so much different experience and knowledge. Fighters from different areas. I mean, even in the US, they fight very different to how we we'll fight in Europe. So if you and they're gonna you're gonna get fighters yeah. from other places that are in one of the gyms over there. You're getting a taste of stuff that they'll be working on. So they might fight say more sort of like slowed down, use a certain kinds of techniques a bit more and stuff like that. You're getting a taste or a flavor of how that works. So for me, going out there and 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 getting submerging yourself in it, it, it does. Take you up to, to the next level. And as you mentioned as well about the climate and stuff, hair is hard to get conditioned. I mean, training, I train in the gym boxes in Holden and Farringdon and stuff. And as, as, as much as they heat yeah. them and stuff, training in this sort of climate, it's at least 20 minutes to half an hour into my sessions before I, I'm fully warmed up. I feel like mm. all of my ligaments and my hands and my feet are warmed up. Out there is that, that the warmer climate and consistently being in a warmer climate, you don't need to do that same sort of warm up. And only then your circulation's better and stuff as well. So you, your, your movement, your mm. natural body feels that bit better. So that definitely impacts it as well. And, and, and I mean, like hitting the pads and stuff, you're not going to go and smash a heavy bag over your head too often. And within your training system, it's going to take you a long time to warm up before you can really lace into it. Out there, yeah, you could be doing right. smashing pads like within minutes of being at the gym. And stuff so that side of it definitely has an impact mm -hmm. as well so and also that i think that the, the, the way that they train we do sort of try and take from them and learn over here because they're advancing obviously at a much faster pace than here so you'll see them doing much sure. more sort of like technical sparring where sometimes they don't wear mm -hmm. shin pads and stuff and they'll, they'll be just wearing like say gloves and and it's more sort of just refining mm -hmm. their technique and getting it it's very playful whereas here i find we don't have that yeah. same playful side of it it's very competitive and it's you get a lot of people mm -hmm. that spar quite hard and always wanted to get one up over there it is because it's just the way of life what they do that relaxing and mm -hmm. that playful side of it definitely enhances is your skill level so yeah it's, it's for me if, if you're training in Muay Thai or any stand-up art getting out to Thailand and getting to a gym there's knowledge everywhere at all of those gyms that yeah I mean you're going to have so, you'll be doing pads with somebody who has done probably nothing but hold pads and train fighters and develop and know how to cultivate and bring the best out of a fighter three four times a day for like 20 years I mean that is you're, yeah. you're uh, spending a week with somebody like that and you're going to get more from them than when you're training here and maybe yeah. sharing sort of like training partners and as and when people can do it once or twice a week so I mean yeah one of my friends actually he's just come back he had a few brilliant fights out in Thailand he fights out of Team Chu as well and he had a, and yeah, two fights whilst he was out there he's out there for three months and yeah he says his level has gone up massively and you can even see it like in the sort of look in his eye when he's back here now wanting to train yeah you can you can see the difference so it's, it's emerging yourself into it it's, it's, it's a good thing get out there if you can that's awesome I also wanted to ask you one question that I'm embarrassed to ask you because I've known you for so long but you're called Lawrence Get Indeed. Down Brown so where did the get down bit right, come that from? That has been the name for about 13, maybe 14 years. Yes. So, um, yeah, so okay. it came from, um, when I was very young, I was boxing at Rose Hall ABC. We had a trainer called Carl who, um, passed away sadly about eight years ago. And, um, he used to take us on the pads and stuff. And then, like I said as well, being very playful with training and stuff, that gym was one of the mm. gyms where I grew a lot and learned a lot because it had that atmosphere. And in between the rounds, I would always do a little dance or a little jive or something like, and when, when my fitness okay. was up, it was like when I was really in the zone and really feeling it and stuff, it was like, yes, yeah, like you want to dance. 
much you want to move all the time even till today when I'm <laughs> when I'm in my fight camp I know as soon as in between rounds of me hitting pads and stuff and I start just getting the urge to move and to whatever and dance even when you're like knackered near the end of a session if you want to dance then I know that things are going right I'm feeling it I'm getting my range I'm almost ready to yeah. fight and then yesterday they was like yeah they get down and then that name has just stuck I think I, um, at uni um, I went to um, they started calling me pretty boy for um, as I, I never really took a lot of damage in my fights and stuff but that, that mm. didn't really work I was just like it didn't really stick and stuff and then, yeah and then the get down mm. just became the thing and even now you'll see you know in a lot of my fights like at the end if I've had a win or something you'll see I'll do a little jig or something or a little dance even as we're coming from my walking most of my music's dance yeah. and stuff and that for me it sort of like hits the soul that's who I am I'm ready to express yeah. let's get down brown in there so that's 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 where the name comes from that is so sick for me it's just a, a really cool name you know you get like fighters who are like super aggressive yep. in their name like yeah. Cyborg and <laughs> yep, lights out <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Pitbull and so I think it's like a really yep. cool name but um yeah, man, I always wanted to ask you about that, but I thought, you know what, we're doing a podcast, yeah, let me save yeah, it. And so I get I asked it a lot, so it's good it that I can there. put it on there and people can hear from, from the podcast. Exactly, yeah. So, um, did you want to give any, like, shout outs to anybody, um, before we, we closed up, uh, anything that you, if you got any sponsors? Yeah, definitely. Like well, first that? thing I want to just say thanks and, and shout out to all of anybody that has an interest remotely in combat sports because they are, you are what make it happen. I mean, the support, even if it's just sharing stuff online, commenting liking and buying watching and stuff you make it happen you give us the opportunity to do what we do and perform and express ourselves on that level so that's my first always um, the shout out and then also yeah, to, to my club um, Nam Yang because I'm always um, training back there and that's where I started out my sort of martial arts journey and Team True if you can follow them they are huge and we've got some major talent coming up fighting on Muay Thai Grand Prix Lion Fight um, any big Muay Thai show and for me they're for technical Muay Thai they're just amazing and brilliant our head coach Philip Chu is awesome um, so yes I follow um, Team Chu and Muay Thai Grand Prix and um, yeah and then basically I was saying shout out to all my teammates there's so many of them I can't name them all but if you're following me on sort of Instagram you'll sure, sure. always be tagging them sort of in our training videos and stuff mm. like that there. and um, yeah um, they're brilliant and I mean just what they're doing training wise you always can find tips even if you just want to do it for fitness and stuff follow some of them have a look at what they're yeah. doing and, and yeah the personal development you see coming from each of those guys as part of Team Chu um, and, and in Muay Thai you could take a little bit of that and do into whatever you're doing in your day day to day life. So they are my biggest shout outs. And also, yeah, another big shout out to my brother Matthew as well, my biggest fan. Always there supporting and listening, and he's like always giving me belief in myself when I might not be believing in myself. So yeah, nice. so big shout out to my brother Matthew. Wicked. And then, how can people find? All right, so I've got a page. Um, on Facebook Lawrence Get Down Brown um, I always try and post as much stuff on there obviously as a separate page it does get a little bit neglected but I do try and keep everyone up to date on there and also share my training stuff but um, the main one is my Instagram which is Lawrence RDB so Lawrence um, RDB Romeo Delta Brava on um, on Instagram that's where everything I probably post on there every day in my story I'm training almost every day and I have little snippets of stuff what I'm doing in there so yeah and then also if you've got questions on your training and stuff just ping me ping me a message on there if you're watching I've got a question about what I'm doing I get a lot of messages on there and it's always good for me to share with people because then it makes me think about what I'm doing and how I'm training and yeah and we can help bring each other on so any any stuff you've got as well ping to me oh wicked man listen uh, Lawrence it's been amazing to have you on the show you're such a wealth of knowledge and I think that you know like an hour really <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't enough <laughs> for like the kind of wisdom that you bring so I'd love to have Definitely. you on the show Listen, again just let me know I mean it's brilliant um, like I said like as for me it's an honour like especially having people that are so into the combat stuff like it's really is warming to the heart and stuff and you're the ones that give us the motivation when we step up there what we're doing is what everyone else appreciates so I'm free anytime to, to talk and to share and, and to discuss MMA and combat My style is the best AC, AC. AC.